Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church here on January 29th. I almost have this month uh, done with. Uh, spring is coming, my friends. Spring is coming. Today I'd like you, if you would, to turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start with verse 44 and uh, then have a word of prayer, if you would. Matthew 26, starting with verse 44. And it says, And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And he that betrayeth him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. Forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and lay hands on Jesus and took him. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray, dear Father, that you will do what I cannot do, Father, and show us what you would have for us in your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I wanted to speak on today, what killed Jesus? You can see it even say, who killed Jesus, right? There's so many things thought of today on, on this matter. You know, more and more people are turning away from God, and, and they even question if Jesus was a historical figure. I want to tell you something. There's more proof that Jesus was on the face of this world than there is Shakespeare. It's remarkable that people still question that. But even more so that he is God. It's just, uh, uh, there's so much there. Of course, we take it by faith, don't we? We're not really going to get into all that. But, they talk about who killed him. And saying about if he is, real, was real, then, you know, the Romans killed him. The Jews had the Romans killed him. And then it goes on, and then, you know, through history, and people hated the Jews for doing so. And people... You know, hated the Roman Empire, and so forth, and so on, and so forth. And I wanted to take a look at today, what killed Jesus? Who killed Jesus? And right off the bat here, in Matthew chapter 26, we're fine, we found here, rather, that he was betrayed. One of his own disciples. One of his own disciples turned him over. You know, there's always one in the bunch, isn't there? Um, sometimes some of the People that we love are the ones who twist the knife in our back, aren't they? Here, the one that, in that culture, they would give each other a holy kiss on the cheek and so forth. And um, walking up to the Son of God, a man had spent a couple years with him now being taught and really not being converted and kissed Jesus in betrayal. I guess, as you could say, betrayal might have killed him, right? 
according to what some people would think about in this matter. Betrayal played a role in turning him over to the Jews, which turned him over to the Romans, Judas. And we find out later that uh, with such ridden guilt in him, he uh, threw the silver on the floor and, and killed himself. He hung himself. Betrayal, you know. It's, it's so hard sometimes when your own does that to you, isn't it? I, through the years and being raised as a pastor's son, I've seen this so many times. And it, to me, it's remarkable that I haven't turned my back on the church <laughs> because of seeing so much in that way. But I've also seen the blessings and the, and the miracles and the wonderful things that's happened serving under the Lord's uh, um, guidance. That you just have to understand that in every group there is some. Even in Jesus' church. Some say, you know, like the beginning of Acts, that's the beginning of the church. But not really. What's the church? The church is a body of baptized believers whose only head is Jesus Christ, correct? Well, these disciples and Jesus Christ himself, that was the first church as far as I'm concerned. And... Even one in Jesus' church, one-twelfth of his church, turned on him. Isn't that remarkable? So betrayal had a factor, at least physically, of, of Jesus' death. Let's turn to Matthew chapter... Well, we're already here. I'm sorry. In Matthew 26, we're already here. Let's look down in verse 57 of the same chapter. And it says, And they that had laid, had laid hold on Jesus, led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled, and Peter followed him afar off, under the high priest's palace, and went in, and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. And at last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said that I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? And Jesus held his peace. I'm telling you. False witness played a part in this matter. There's always a false witness, isn't there? I, uh, I have seen so many people just um, outright lie or, or look for something that really would um, destroy someone's testimony. I've seen it so much. I mean, the tongue can build someone up and up, and the tongue can rip someone down. And right even here in Jesus' uh, trial, if you want to call it that, in the middle of the night and trying to just slide this through. Sounds like politicians of today, doesn't it? False witnesses pop out, and then they find one thing that Jesus said and twist it, and twist it, and they twisted it. Because none of the other false witnesses uh, 
could prove what they said. Don't worry about false witnesses, by the way. We, you live life for Jesus Christ and you, you uh, serve him. There's going to be false witnesses. You just keep moving. You say, what if it does harm to me? Well, it probably will. I've seen it in my own life. Probably will. But you keep your eyes on Jesus. Because what does a human being want to do? That's right, revenge, don't we? <laughs> yes, it is. Revenge is something that we want. Sometimes the only thing you can do is give it to the Lord. So here we have betrayal that was a played a part in, in Jesus' uh, end of his life that led up to him being killed. False testimonies played a part in this also. Let's look in Acts chapter 2. Well, that's after he died. Well, we're looking at Acts 2. Well, let's see. Acts chapter 2. Acts was written by Luke. And looking back on some things from G in Jesus' uh, Jesus's life. In Acts chapter 2. Get it myself here. I could write all these things out, but I really like turning in the Bible. I really do. Acts chapter 2. And verse, starting here in verse 22, it says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. He's not telling them anything they didn't know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have sacked, excuse me, crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. He was killed from wicked hands. Just plain old wickedness. He's pretty much slapping them down. You killed Jesus Christ. And you killed him from your own wickedness. The same people, when Jesus rode in on the colt that praised him, was probably in the crowd that said, crucify him. Imagine that. Pure wickedness. Pure wickedness. I've seen uh, when, when people go along to get along, and they, they go with the crowd, and, well, everybody said this. Everybody said this happened. Everybody, everybody, right? You go with the crowd's motivation and not with what is right. Pure wickedness is what it is. You stick with what's right, my friend. I don't care what the crowd's doing. You don't go with the crowd. Most of the time, the crowd's going the wrong way, in fact. You go with Jesus. You go with the right crowd. You pick your company. You don't let your company pick you, my dad always said. You go with the right crowd. In this case, the wicked crowd. They were wicked. and Their wickedness had a part in Jesus' death. Betrayal. False testimony. Wickedness. Quite a, quite a list, isn't it? Quite a list. We're in Acts here. Let's look in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, starting here in verse 12. 
And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead. Wherefore we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name hath made his, his man, this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that though, that through, excuse me, ignorance, he did it, as did all your rulers. But those things which God had before had showed by the mouth of his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted. They did it by their ignorance. They did it by their ignorance. Some willful, some not maybe. You know, I don't know how you could be a true scientist today. Look at the miracles in nature and say there is no God. And hold to these theories, evolutionary or otherwise, and believe there is no creator. Some of them is ignorance. Although they are so smart, they are stupid. But some of it's willful ignorance. They don't want to bow a knee to the Lord. I really do believe down in the deepest hearts of men that we know there's a God. But then you choose. You choose the world. The world being uh, anything, other, whether it's another religion or whether it is a, 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 a evolutionary theory, which I believe is basically a religion. Or people say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe you are. I believe you understand down deep that there's a God, but we'll call that a religion. Because they'll hold tight to it. And they hate Christians. Oh yeah they do. Ignorance. Ignorance. Played a part. In killing Jesus. Betrayal. False testimonies. Wickedness. Ignorance. Played a part. John 7. 6-9. Matthew. Mark. Luke. John. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And verses 6 through 9. And Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, and the works thereof are evil. What played a part in Jesus' death? The world hated him. The world hated him. 
I tell you what, you even see that today. You see people hate Jesus Christ. Why should, you know, if they really think he's a fallacy, that he is uh, like a King, Ar King Arthur, not real. Why do they hate him so much? Why do they hate him so much? And their hatred played a part in Christ's death. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. A wonderful chapter of the Bible. It's been said by many preachers that if you read Isaiah 53... You should do it on your knees. <laughs> a wonderful prophecy around 700 years before Christ came to this earth. Isaiah 53 and starting in verse 5 and it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What killed Jesus? <laughs> My sins killed Jesus. My sins killed Jesus. I'm telling you what. I wish I could convey this as much as anything when I present the gospel to a lost person. That we are lost. We are sinful people. Every one of us. The only one to walk this world that didn't sin was Jesus himself. And it's our sins that are taking us to hell. And he's the only one that can forgive us. When he died on that cross, all those lambs that were slain that pointed to him. A gruesome thing to have to have done every year. But having done it, that gruesomeness and seeing that, I don't know if you ever went hunting and or if you're a farmer and you had to butcher an animal, the smell that goes with it, the gruesomeness, the blood, wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't meant to be. But it was meant to point to one that was going to come in the form of a human, being born of a woman, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for you and I, and he bore our sins on his back. He was bruised for our iniquity. With his stripes, we are healed. And when we ask him into our heart and life as our Lord and Savior, he said he would forgive us of these sins. And we would walk into heaven one day, just as if we've never sinned. Because... Those sins were paid for on the cross. But one of the things that put him there was my sins. My sins. And just so we're straight about this, let's look at John. We're in John anyway, chapter 10. And we're going to look in 17 and 18. It's, I think we read this last week, but let's read it again. 17 and 18 of John chapter 10. Therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received 
of my father. Jesus gave his life. In fact, we're not going to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 26, 52 through 54, Jesus said, I could have called, I could have called uh, how many legions? 12 legions of angels. I always say a legion. It's not 12 legions. A legion was between four and 6,000 soldiers in the Roman army. So we're talking between 48,000 and 72,000 angels. He was saying that, I believe, to impress upon them that he didn't have to die on that cross. In fact, he was God. He is God. He could have spoken a word. He didn't even need the angels. But he laid down his life. So much so that when he said it's finished and he gave his life and they came to the thieves on the cross, they had to break their legs so that they would die before the high Sabbath came. When they came to him, he was already dead. It wasn't because he was a weak man. No, it was because he chose the time. The very moment that those sins of the world that people that would get saved were fully paid for, he died. And he came back to life. And he went into heaven, into the temple, the real temple, the one the heroes, a mock-up that the Jews had to represent. The, the golden cherubims were representative of the real cherubims by the mercy seat of God, the real mercy seat. He sprinkled his own blood. It isn't like some of the preachers say that he spilled all the blood here because it's sinful. And there was no sin in him. None. He went to heaven. He sprinkled his blood, that perfect human being. As much God as he'd never been man, and much man as if he'd never been God, the man God, the God man. And he sprinkled his blood for payment for your and my sin. What killed him? My sins. What brought him to the cross? My sins. Why did he choose to give his life? Because hm, he loved me. And he loves you. And if you're not saved today, my friend, please, please, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God has raised from the dead. Thou shalt be saved, the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Ask him into your heart and life, forgive your sins and mean it, understanding he is God. And he'll come into your heart and life and forgive you of those sins. I wanted to precursor next week's sermon because... I want to have a sermon, and it's been a little while, on just the gospel, and that's wrong of me. Sometimes I look at all these, these lists of sermons I do, and I think, okay, I'll, I, I can't preach on that already again, and it's not right. I should, you know, when I, when I, I usually I try to, I pray what God wants me to preach about. And the Lord's been laying on my heart to preach about the gospel, especially since I've been doing this podcast, and there's so many people that listen to it around the world, my friends. I believe the end is coming. I'm looking at the one world government on its way. <laughs> I'm looking at all the signs coming about. And Jesus is coming soon. Please, ask Christ in your heart. And for you Christians, some of you argue about some of these little points of contention. You're my sin, put him on that cross. How about we get together and tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ and win some souls. Yes, yes, I think so. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, just thank for this day. 
And I'd like to thank you, Lord, for your love and that you came down to this world and that you gave your life for this rotten sinner called Mike McDivitt. Thank you, Lord. I love you. And thank you. And I praise you. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a great Sunday tomorrow, evening tonight. And please witness to some poor lost soul, would you? Would you? God bless you.